I'm Michael McMullen. Welcome once again to the World Snooker Tour podcast, where this week I'm joined by one of the rising young Welsh stars. It's Cumbran's very own Jack Jones. Jack, thanks for coming along. Yeah, thank you for having me. Did I pronounce that right, your hometown? Yes, you did, yeah. Oh, good. Perfect. Yeah, Welsh words can be hard, can't <laughs> yeah. they? Now, you're someone who has been around, actually, as a player of potential for a long time, because when you took up the game, you found amateur success pretty quickly. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, yeah, started when I was... like 10 or 11 but yeah I I fell in love with the game like really quick was practicing just all day just wanted to be in the club all day every day and yeah I started winning junior tournaments quite quick in in Wales and yeah had quite a short successful amateur career Mm. I would say turned professional at 16 but obviously the professional game has been a lot harder in pretty much every way (laughs) Well, we take that for granted, though, don't we? Because over the years, we've seen players in their teens winning big tournaments. So yeah. we don't think anything of players of 16 or 17 turning pro. But yeah. when you think back to being that age, I mean, you're still basically a child. So yeah. it's pretty daunting, isn't it, to come out in the circuit at that stage? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's so much... I don't know, you go from being uh, a big fish in a little pond to a little fish in a big pond, um, and kind of like I was used to winning tournaments in the the juniors and then suddenly you're losing like first second third round even if you lose like the third fourth round of scene you you feel it's uh like a failure of a tournament Mm -hmm. because you're used to winning tournaments Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's just whoever handles it mentally the best I guess um and I don't think I handled it very well when I was that age and even the um, environment of the circuit, I suppose. I mean, you're just yeah. a kid at 16. You're dealing with middle-aged men and icons of the game, the, yeah. the guys you've grown up watching on TV. I mean, even that must be a challenge to cope with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, when I when I first came on the tour at 16, I played like Judd Trump was, was my first game, first pro game. Um, nice, easy start. Yeah, nice, easy starter. And then, and then I had Selby, Murphy. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, I've lost. I, I remember I lost the first four tournaments in the first round, and I put myself under so much pressure then. But I'd lost to like four of the best players in the world, um, and now I, I think I don't know why I put myself under that pressure. But it's at sixteen. Is yeah, it's hard to deal with it. I guess some players uh, handle it a lot better than others. If you could have your time over again, which obviously you can't, yeah. would you not do that? Would you think no? I'll actually wait and turn pro. Uh, yeah, I've had, I've had that question asked to me quite a f- quite a few times, but um, I remember there was there's a Welsh player, Darren Morgan, obviously mm-hmm. um, you'll know well, but former world semi finalist. Yeah, uh, and and he always said to me as a as a kid, like you don't really want to be turning pro until you're twenty, twenty one, twenty two even. Um, but then like other other players would say, no, you have to, you cannot, you can't um, turn down a main tour card. But uh, and it. I'd won the European Under-19s to turn pro, so I felt like I'd earned my right to mm. to do it. So, And it's yeah, very it was, hard to turn down, isn't yeah, it, when yeah, someone yeah. gives you that opportunity? Yeah, well, I, I didn't even think once about uh, turning it down. Mm. But um, I suppose it's... I feel like I'm I'm getting there now. Um, mm. The experience is... I, I've, I've been on the tour now for like 10 years, 11 years, which is like crazy, because I'd only played in the amateur game for, for five years, um, and I'd not even played in any senior events in Wales I'd only played in junior events so I went from junior snooker straight to professional snooker which was probably another reason why I, sh- I struggled playing like the older mm. the older more experienced players on the tour 
who people at home or fans might think that's a good draw. Like when you're in the club, people say, oh, you've got a good draw there. Mm. Um, but they're like the, the toughest match players in the world. It's a different game, isn't it? Because if yeah. you go to an amateur event, most of the players, they're just going for everything. It's fluent and attacking. Yeah. Then you come on the pro circuit. It's like you're playing a different sport. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, um, you go from, you go from yeah, having two, three, four chances a frame in amateur snooker to, um, well, one maximum two chances of frame against even the, the lower ranked players on the main tour. So, yeah, it does take some getting used to. But, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting there now. So When you dropped off then after that first stint on the tour, were yeah. you disheartened? Were you thinking maybe I'm not good enough? Or did it just make you more determined to get back on? No, yeah, no, I was, in, I was in bits when I fell off the first time. And, and like I said, now I, I don't know why because I was only 16, 17 mm-hmm. when I fell off the tour. You only had one year on the tour then as well. Um, and I won, I won quite a few matches in my first year at that age as well. So um, it's, it's all down to the pressure and expectation you put on yourself, I think, or I put on myself, um, is, is what I probably should have or could have handled a lot better. But, I mean, there's, there's a lot. There's other things off the table that you have to deal with as well. Mm-hmm. But... Do you mean as part of being a professional? Yeah, as part of being a professional, yeah. Um, what sort I mean, of things do you the, the, mean? I mean, like, the when you're 16 on the tour, you unless you've got sort of, like, wealthy parents, mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't have had any... My parents couldn't have been any more supportive for me, which they, they still are to this day. Um, but financially, it's tough. So when you're, when you're 16, 17, 18, playing matches for the money rather than... Uh, rather than to just, I don't know, thinking of winning the match itself, it makes it a lot harder. I think that was prob- yeah, probably the biggest thing for me when I was, when I was younger was the struggling with the financial side of it, mm. um, the, the financial pressure of it. And then when you did come back on to the circuit a couple of years later, it was even tougher, really. At first, you went on a really long run where you just couldn't get a win. Yeah, I know, yeah. I mean, I, I, was, I, was, practicing, I was practicing so hard, um, and I think I was just putting myself under so much pressure on the tour. It's hard to believe that that happened, mm. that I went so long without without winning a match. But that's just what, what the tour does to you mentally. It kind of like can destroy you and breaks a lot of players um, who don't come back. But um, quite a sort of proud that I've, mm. I've come back from, from it all. I imagine when you're in that sort of situation, Jack, you know you've got the ability, you yeah. know you've got the talent and the desire, and as you say, you were putting in the work. Do you just find yourself living in a state of thinking, if I could just find one win, everything yeah. can turn around for me here? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, one one match, one shot, one frame can can like make all the difference, like to you mentally and confidence wise. And at that time, I I couldn't find a break. I've obviously carried on practicing so hard. I'd say I'm one of the, the hardest practices on the mm-hmm. tour. I've got to be up there. So I've, I've never allowed it to break me. So eventually you got a win at the end of that long run. And it was a best of nine as well, so it probably right. meant even a little bit more. Can you remember what that felt like, that you'd finally stopped the rot? Yeah, I think that was... Was it against Joe O'Connor? It was. It was yeah, an Australian yeah. Open qualifier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I remember that, actually. Because I remember how... how uh, I think I was 3-1 down in that match as well. I don't... And four two, I think I was, which I won five four. But um, my one of my friends came with me, uh, who I'd been practicing with, and uh, he said to me at the interval, "Like you, you're playing totally different. 
to what you would be playing to, to your natural game. Um, you, you like trying too hard, slowing down. Um, you just need to play, try and play your natural game. So, yeah, it kind of helped me because I went back out and um, I felt like a different player. I felt like if I lose, I lose. I'd been used to it at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and uh, yeah, it felt like a, a massive relief just winning that one game, which was like crazy. And then, yeah, kind of uh, stopped the, the rot. And when you look back on that then, having taken your friend's advice, yeah. did you think, oh, maybe this is what I've been doing wrong all through this time and this is why I lost all these matches in a yeah, row? No, it, it's, it is the reason why I was losing those matches and I knew it was the reason I was losing those matches and I knew uh, what I was doing wrong. But it was, it's, it's not as easy to just stop it. It's not easy to stop doing what you're doing even though you know it's wrong um, because it was all mental. It was not um, like to do with my cue action or anything like that. It's not something you can uh, work on with a coach or anything like that. It was just the mental side of the game, um, which I was struggling with. So I don't know, I feel feel like because I've gone through all that, I'm a lot mentally uh, better now. So I think it was worth it, even though it was a struggle. Yeah, and you needed that mental fortitude, didn't you, in one of the biggest matches of your life so far, really, when you played your fellow Welshman, the former UK and Masters champion, Matthew Stevens, for a place in the quarterfinals of the yeah. English Open last season. What yeah. a nail-biter that was. Yeah, finished at gone past midnight, I think. Obviously, I grew up watching Matthew in um, in the biggest tournaments on TV. So, yeah, that was, that was a big win, actually, obviously, for my first quarterfinal. Um but I, I yeah I did I I felt like I struggled in that match as well um, quite a bit. But I suppose that's the the difference of now and and back when I was younger is uh, winning matches when I'm not playing so well. Whereas then I could mm. I was losing matches when I was playing as good as I can play. Mm. So um, yeah, that's what I what um, I felt like in that match actually. Well, you got over the line, and we know what those home nations events are like, Jack. You just yeah. don't get time to breathe, and you were straight yeah. back on the next day then for a quarter final against one of the greats of the game, John Higgins. Yeah. 5-1 was the final result, but, I mean, it wasn't really a case that you were just frozen out of the game. There were chances there, and yeah. you put up a bit of resistance. Yeah, I um, yeah, I did have, have a couple of chances. I remember I missed the black of a spot. To, I don't know if it was to go 2-1 ahead, um, which is obviously big frame in a best best of nine and you you can't be doing that against players of John Higgins class mm. but yeah it was I felt like I learned a lot from from that match as well and I actually played him like a month or two later in the UK championship as well so um yeah I, I felt like I from last season especially I I learned I've learned a lot and you were talking around that time about how moving to Sheffield and going to yeah. the academy there has really helped you. We'll talk in more detail about what that involves. But what was it that prompted you to make the decision that it was time to uproot yourself and go and live in a different city? It, the thing was I, was, I was practicing as hard as anyone at home in Wales, um, but it was all on my own. I was just practicing on my own. I wasn't really playing with any players. There's, the, the Welsh players, in a lot of the Welsh players don't practice together for whatever reason. Um, so... I was putting the work in, going to tournaments and feeling I had no sharpness, um, no confidence because I have been practicing with anyone or playing with anyone. Um, so I, I kind of got fed up with it because I knew that was the reason that I was struggling a bit. But um, 
so I just yeah I kind of got fed up and just thought I've I've got to move mm. move to Sheffield at least give it a try yeah um which which has helped a lot because I've moved back home since for this season but not making the same mistakes I made when I was last living back at home I hear players talking a lot about the right sort of practice so yeah that, that's what you're talking about isn't it yeah. that you were putting in the hours but it was maybe quantity over quality yeah hundred percent I was doing quantity over quality and and in in Sheffield I was I was just practicing with players all the time every single day. What sort of players were there? There's a lot of Chinese players there. Yeah, aren't pretty there? much all, all the Chinese players. And funny enough, Jamie Jones, one of the other Welsh players, mm. he he ended up coming up up to Sheffield to have a few games with me, which was funny because I never practiced him when I was back in Wales. <laughs> but um, yeah, so practicing with players like like Jamie and and the other Chinese players there, you've got Guadong, Lu Ning, playing with Nopon. Obviously, he's a Thai player. But um, yeah, I was practicing with them day in, day out. And um, when I was going to tournaments, I felt felt confident and sharp uh which i'd probably never felt on the tour so moving back home now that's that's what i'm trying to do is is keep to that that type of practice what's the academy like because it's not like a normal snooker club you don't just have punters walking in off the street for a few frames it's all top players and pretty serious stuff i imagine yes yeah, it's, it's pretty closed off but it's it's just all professional players and i think there's about 10 professional players in there so um you just go in every day and uh we all practice together, so that's pretty much all it is, really. Mm. It's, very, it's just a room with, like, I don't know, 15, 15 tables, and all I assume star and tables, and yeah, the very all star best tables, yeah, 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 and and all um, pretty much all professional players. You have some amateur players as well, but um, yeah, it, w- it was good. It was good for 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 the time I was there. You hear the term academy, you imagine that people are getting training and coaching, but is that any part of it, or are you all just working amongst yourselves? No, there there was no. No coaching actually going on. It was just, um, it's pretty much just a room with 15 or so star tables, all professional players just practicing together. So there's no, no like coach or anything like that. It's just you're practicing with a, a place where you can all practice together. Mm. That's pretty much it. I guess you talked earlier actually, it was interesting about how the worst kind of pressure and expectation is what you put on yourself. Yeah. So I guess after a run like that, getting to the quarterfinals of a big ranking event, it's important not to start thinking, right, now I have to start getting to quarterfinals all the time. You've yeah. got to be a bit more patient about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's the... Uh, that's the thing. Well, you can. I mean, even even the top, the very top players, they they win numerous events in a season, but they can still lose first, second rounds and stuff like that. So there's no easy matches on the tour. You can you can play like I don't know, win a I don't know last sixteen court final easy, but have a tougher first round in the next tournament. So it's uh, you just got to take every match as it comes. I think and not get too carried away with good results or get too down in yourself with bad results. Because that's the thing, isn't it? People look at it. There are so many matches going on now, particularly at events now. We have 128 players, yeah. and you just see this endless succession of results. Yeah. And people take it for granted. But what they don't realise, perhaps, sometimes is every single win on the Pro Tour is really hard fought. And it's yeah. a real achievement to win any match at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, every match is, is hard. And you've got you've got to be you've got to prepare well be well prepared otherwise you're not going to you're not going to win any matches um and uh yeah any any win is is a a good win really um because it's it's very easy to um get on a run of losing a few matches and then getting desperate uh putting more pressure on yourself and then it just kind of can get worse and worse 
one of the things that came from your run in the English Open was that you got into the World Grand Prix yeah. And you played Ding, actually, who's so involved in the academy. And he did what he can do and just really turned it on and, and kind of shut you out of the match. But I imagine, given what we were talking about and those days when you were losing every match in the whole season, just to be part of an event like that must make you feel sort of 10 feet tall that you've arrived at that level in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to get into one of those events, you know you're having a good season or you've had a good season. So, um, yeah, that was a big, big step for me was, was getting into the Grand Prix. Because it's a, it's a sign that that you've been, I suppose that you've you've been doing quite quite well, um, but like, I think I was the season before when I I, I just didn't quite make it into the top sixty four, finished like sixty six or something, and then went back to zero. Yeah, I felt like I I dealt with that quite well as well, and then to come back qualify for the Grand Prix, obviously disappointed with how I played in the Grand Prix, but. Um, yeah, it is, it is a big step forward. What about the rest of last season then? Because there were still a number of tournaments to come. How did you feel overall you followed up on what you'd done at the English? Yeah, I don't think I had too many. I don't think I had any bad tournaments, so to speak. Um, I don't think I lost a first round the whole season apart from the shootout. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I had any exceptional tournaments after the English Open, but I wouldn't say I had any really bad tournaments either. So it's about being... What I've took from it is that I've obviously built consistency. I'm not having terrible tournaments. I'm having decent tournaments, the odd better tournament. But um, so it's just about yeah, getting consistent and then moving on from there. So it seems surprising when you talk about last season and it was obviously the best season of your career and you had the standout tournament of your career at the English Open, as we're saying. It seems surprising then that you would have changed things up and then moved away from Sheffield. So was it just a case of you didn't want to be away from home any longer? Yeah, I was, um, I mean, I come from quite a big family as well. So uh, it was quite a, a big move anyway, moving moving to Sheffield from uh, from my family and friends. I didn't know anyone in Sheffield. Um, obviously, you had the 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 pandemic so everything it was all in lockdown anyway so mm-hmm. there was nowhere to go it was just in my apartment the academy apartment academy every single day so um yeah I think I it kind of served its purpose but was never gonna be a long-term thing I don't think it sounds so, like you went up there learned a lot yeah and now you've come home and yeah that's taking exa- on those lessons yeah that's exactly how I feel I feel like going there has, has done me so much good um and and I've learned so much from 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 being there for the season um so I felt like going home and with those lessons that I've learned was was the next the next move um which is funny because obviously I moved moved from home because it wasn't quite right but um yeah I've, I feel like I've gone there come back and and uh learned those lessons and are you now practicing with other players on a regular basis yeah so I'm 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 practicing with uh yeah, with with quite a few players now. So and Jamie Jones, I'll, I'll obviously play with him. Yeah, I won't be making the same mistake again. It's uh, it's just about practice. Yeah, finding the right balance. I think of playing playing on your own and, and playing with with players because you can practice as many hours as you want. But if it's not the right practice, then you're not gonna get very far. We now come to what I call the quick fire round, Jack. I'm just yeah. going to throw a few topics at you, just general issues in the yeah. game. And you just say what you think. It doesn't have to be one word. It can be a few words or a, yeah. a sentence or whatever. Slow play. Probably something I've struggled with. I struggled with because it's it's absolutely not my natural game. Just overthinking, trying too hard. And my, my natural time is probably down on 
20, 21 seconds. So the funny thing is I could play a match at like early 20 seconds, play another match at early 30 seconds. So that's that's not good at all. Um, not least of all for me, because um, it doesn't affect anyone more than it affects myself. Uh, but um, yeah, one, once I get down to the early 20 seconds, a, a shot, sort of 20, 21, 22 seconds a shot, that's pretty much when anyone will know that I'm... I'm at my best, close to my best. Snooker's popularity in Wales. There's not there's not many junior players coming through now, I don't think. Like the the Welsh tournaments don't have many entries, the junior tournaments I don't think. Um which is disappointing, but hopefully that can uh that can can change in the near future. Players on the tour that you might go to dinner with or for a beer or just for a general night out. I'd have to say I'm probably not the best player to ask that because I don't really bother with many of the other players. Um, I've always, always pretty much been on my own uh, at tournaments, kept myself to myself, get on with other players and stuff like that. But yeah, I've, I've always been with my dad at tournaments. He's he's come come with me to every tournament since I was since I first started playing, right up until the pandemic. So um, that's probably another reason why I haven't done it. And finally, interests outside of snooker, running. Um, I broke my toe at the moment, so I haven't been been able to do any of that. But um, that must yeah. make it hard to play snooker. Yeah, oh yeah, very hard. Yeah, it's, it hurts a lot now. Even so, um, I did it on my birthday. It's not great. Um, but yeah, I've been practicing in slippers for the last few weeks. So uh, managed to get my shoes on yesterday with a, with a bit of pain. But yeah, it's okay. It's reminiscent of Alex Higgins hobbling around the table after he fell out of that window. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was doing that for a couple of weeks at practice, but mm. um, yeah, it's, it's getting in now. So yeah, I'd say I, I do a bit of running, um, but yeah, meet up with friends, stuff like that. But I wouldn't say I've got too many interests outside of snooker. I'd say you don't take much time away from the game either. You seem to be someone who's really dedicated and doesn't mind putting in the hours. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, if I mean, if I didn't put in the hours, uh, that's probably something that. I've I've got to do to keep myself calm is is put in the hours because um, if I don't then yeah that that probably affect me in, like even worse. Mm. <laughs> Moving on then, do you feel looking back now that as you reach this stage of your career, you've lived up to your potential so far? Oh no, not at all. No, I no, I don't feel like I've I've done anywhere near what um, what I could have or should have so to speak um but uh you're only as good as your results so um so how good can you ultimately be do you think can you be top 16 tournament winner is that where you see yourself oh yeah yeah definitely i mean i mean that's how how i feel uh i wouldn't i wouldn't be playing playing the game if i didn't if i didn't feel like that but yeah I i feel like i'm one or two tournaments like big tournaments from maybe breaking through i 'cause i do I do feel really close uh, really close to it. Is there anything so, you feel you need to do differently or or do you think that if you just keep going on the path you're on that you're going the right way about it um yeah i think I think it's it's more of probably being patient in a way, but like playing slower that that once i once I get that right, playing my natural game is when is when i i, I feel like i I will break through um because there's no no players are playing around thirty seconds a shot winning tournaments. Just can't do it. So um I think it's rather than me thinking I'm gonna go out today and just fly around the table, play really quick, probably something I need to let allow to happen naturally and it will happen naturally. 
um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Wales, as we were saying, is a great heritage in the game, way back to the likes of Ray Reard and Terry yeah. Griffiths and Doug Mountjoy. More recently, obviously Mark Williams, yeah. Matthew Stevens, Ryan Day, but let's face it, Jack, they're all getting on a bit now. Yeah. So it's up to you and Jamie Jones and Jackson Page to fly the flag, as it were, yeah. fly the dragon in the coming years. And there's a lot of potential actually now emerging from yeah. uh, west of the Severn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think, um, yeah, as you say, Jamie Jones, Jackson, me. Um, yeah, there's a few Welsh players who, who like Michael White. He'll, he'll come back, no doubt. But um, yeah, I don't feel it's, it's in. We're in too bad of a position in Wales. But um, yeah, maybe a year or two from from a few of us breaking through. I think so. Um, yeah, I. I'd say it's quite positive for us. I've got to ask you about your mum and dad. You keep mentioning them all the time. Yeah, and it's yeah. fantastic. Like, they're obviously such a huge part of it. Yeah. Were they big snooker fans before you got into it? No, there wasn't snooker fans at all, really. My, my dad um, watched it, played it now and again. But um, it's just a, a random thing. Um, like I've, I've got eight brothers and one sister, um, and none of them play snooker or anything. Uh, so... It's quite random. Obviously, I, it started when I was on holiday in Greece, and I happened, Darren Morgan happened to be on the at the same resort as me and my family. So it was just total luck, really. And then um, he only lived sort of twenty minutes from me with his and, it, and with his club. So yeah, that's how how I how I started playing. But my my parents have been just so supportive, even before I played snooker when I was playing football and stuff like that. Um, just always done everything for me or as much as they can possibly do even to this day even when I was living in Sheffield they was coming to Sheffield taking me to Milton Keynes back to Wales so there's yeah there's never sort of too much they can they can do for me which which I wouldn't have been able to do anything without them yeah that's that's probably why I keep mentioning them all the time is because Mm. they're with me all the time they support me through everything and I get the sense that as much as you want success for yourself at least as much as that, if not more so, you want to do it for them to make them proud. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's that was probably one of the problems I had when I was younger as well. Was was uh, when you lose, you, f- you feel like you're losing for them as well. And because I'm so close to my parents, it's probably why I felt it as much as I did. But um, I feel like I'm handling that now, and and hopefully I can make it all worth it for them in the near future. Well, fair play to you for hanging in. You've had your struggles on the circuit over yeah. the years, like a lot of players do, but you're reaping the rewards now, and we wish you all the best for the rest of the yeah. season. And thanks very much for joining us on yeah. the World Snooker Tour podcast. Yeah, cheers, Mike. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. On next week's World Snooker Tour podcast, I'll be joined by the WPBSA chairman, Jason Ferguson, who has an upbeat view on where the next wave of stars may come from. The one clear thing that came when I came back to this sport just over 10 years ago is that there wasn't that development arm going on behind. Yes, the, the voluntary systems were, were running, you know, the amateur events and so on, but real sports development was not going on to the level it needed to. What that meant was that at that time, people were not coming into the sport. But over the last 10 years, people have been coming into the sport. That 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old has been coming into the sport. And we are now, for the first time, starting to see some of those young players break through and start to make a name for themselves. I think in another two or three years, that talent will certainly come through at a higher level. So that's coming up next week on the World Snooker Tour podcast. Until then, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.